Hello and welcome to Drills Detail, the podcast series about big data, analytics and data warehousing with me, your host, Mark Ripman. So my guest this week is Jen Underwood, someone who those of you who've worked with kind of Microsoft products and Tableau and so on in the past might know. But in my case, came to my notice after I stopped working with full time with Oracle BI tools and started looking at the, uh, the wider market out there. I have to say at the time, I was getting a little bit disillusioned really with, with BI and, and data integration tools in general. I didn't tend to see a huge amount of innovation out there. And, but when I came across Jen's website um, and, uh, and blog and some of the tools that she was looking at and some of the, uh, the new vendors she was talking about, it actually kind of got me interested again in the whole topic. So I'm really pleased to have Jen on the show this week. Um, and uh, Jen, do you want to introduce yourself properly? Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. I've been a fan for a long time of your content as well. I, I didn't realize you were inspired by some of the products, and that's it's exciting. It is really an interesting time in the industry right now. I'm seeing the maturity to predictive happening. I'm also seeing convergence with collaboration and visualization technologies from the, the AR VR gaming industry that's influencing products. So it's a fun time mm, in the exactly, industry. Exactly, exactly. So, so Jen, what's your background really? Because you, you've had, in a way, a bit of a kind of parallel career to me. I mean, you've worked in implementation and, and so on, and also for vendors. Yeah, what's your kind of route to where you are now, really? I'm glad you asked that because I started in development, literally developing web applications, and I fell in love with data, and I've always been in love with data. And those two types of things for 15 years or so, I did implementations of data warehouses, web applications, and web reporting applications. And a lot of po- folks don't realize that I'm actually a developer. I just happen to, to love the data and, and love the front end. And I went crazy on the data side and, and digged into predictive analytics. Oh my gosh, it's probably already 10 years ago. No, 13 years ago. And... I, I just think when you folks see the visualization side, the creative side that I have, or the artistic side, they assume that I that I'm just non-technical. But but it's actually I'm quite deep on the technical side because of the background. Yeah, I mean, looking at your websites. Um, so what's the URL of your website again, um, Jen? Uh, it's an easy one. My name, JenUnderwood.com. <laughs> the amount of work you put into that website, Jen, uh, in terms of just the, the the actual presentation is fantastic. But the, the the range of kind of, uh, of of kind of technologies and vendors you look at there, I think at the moment you've talked about you're talking about IBM Watson, and we'll talk about that later on in the show. You've got uh, predictive analytics. You've also got things like Spark and so on. And I thought <clears throat> there's a kind of female version of me there, which is kind of a, a, probably a scary thought, but uh, but it was. Uh, but again, what 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 sort of inspired me really, Jen, was was the fact that all these vendors you were talking about and these products and so on and that are out there, and I suppose in a way. Um, completely different channels to deliver kind of bi as well now so um we're going to talk later on about uh, beyond core for example and, and that's part of the kind of you know the salesforce analytics cloud a whole kind of area of, of products and, and infrastructure and kind of ecosystem that someone like myself from say an oracle background would never know about and um it was it was kind of interesting but coupled with very good kind of uh you know presentation and so on it was uh it was kind of fantastic so um great to have you on the show uh, this week and uh you know what we're going to do in terms of kind of the conversation today is I want to talk to you about some of the things you're seeing out there, um, some of the changes in the market, some of the innovations and so on there as well, um, and a little bit around kind of product strategy as well, because I know that you do a little bit of work around that area as well, same as myself. So, um, so it's good to have you on here. And um, what I thought I'd start off with is um, 
actually something that was um, very topical when I actually first came across your website and the work you do, which was the whole um, the whole business around the Gartner uh, BI Analytics Magic Quadrant coming out back in, I think it was about the end of the year, sort of December, January, that sort of time. And as you know, Jen, there was a huge amount of kind of uh, interest in that. <laughs> Understatement. Yeah, there was. Um, where, and I'm just going to summarise it now, and I'm going to get you to kind of talk about you know, what you think about it and, and the impact and so on. But for anybody who's been living in a cave for the last kind of year, works in BI, uh, it, it, you know, it was all about the move. You know, really, Gartner effectively saying that BI market had changed. It was about self-service. It was about kind of buy the, the business making decisions. And as we know, and, and a whole kind of like, you know, new definitions of, of what they see as being a BI tool and so on. But for myself, with the business I was involved in at the time, you know, the massive impact was that Oracle jumped, dumped out of the, uh, out of the Magic Quadrant. And we've had sort of actually several podcasts in this series just talking about that. And, uh, and, and so, um, I mean, Jen, what was your take on this? What was your, what was your take on, on, on the Magic Quadrant and, and the changes at that time, really? So... I have answered this as a product manager. I led Microsoft's answers in 2012. Let's see, make sure I get the, the years right. And then I also led the last one. Um, they're currently going through the process right now, the vendors are. Um, so I've been through what I call you know, the exercise. And it is a massive exercise. There's literally hundreds of different questions spanned a, a, across different areas of the business intelligence solutions. And one thing that I've blogged about for years has been when I would have to answer this for Microsoft, oh my gosh, I have to answer thousands of you know questions and videos and it, it's a massive, massive exercise, but somebody else only has to answer maybe 30 questions because they're a niche vendor in one area, but we're put on the same exact chart. And, and really, we're comparing apples to oranges. So I always take these with a little bit of a grain of salt, um, just because of the having gone through the exercise and saying, well, hey, they didn't even have to answer 500 of the 1,000 questions. <laughs> and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it is a it is a long exercise. You go through an, uh, an RFI process initially to make sure that you have market presence, interest, there's references from your customers, a long survey, or not survey, that's not the right, it's not a survey, it's a, it's an RFI really, it's an RFI. Uh, you go through that exercise, then you show your products and then you talk about roadmaps and whatnot with the, vend uh, with, with the analysts and they are silent. And that always drives me crazy. You know, they may ask one or two questions and I, and I really enjoy working, um, you know, I've known Cindy Housen for a long time um, so I understand and I can pretty much preempt or know we think a lot alike. So I, I have a feeling for what she might ask or you know, when you start reading the content, what they'll ask. Rita was funny. She surprised me and I didn't even know she liked me. It was so, so funny because she's she she came out and was very confrontational in one of them with the first question. I thought, oh, oh my gosh, she hates it. Um, but I ultimately found out she really liked it. Um, but I will tell you, they don't tell you much of anything. They're very quiet on the phone. Um, but they do ask decent questions. The going to, you know, your shock. We had no idea as vendors that they were that the Gartner analysts were going to go in this direction. I was shocked at the results myself. I know what I presented. I know the vendors out there. I consider myself fairly deep. I play. I'm, I'm obsessed with with reviewing everybody every day. Um, I was very surprised at the results. Now I have given to blow a hard time in the past. I think two years ago I had, I went to the conference in 2014 and said it was fun, but ho-hum. 
Um, I wanted to see more innovation. I wanted to see the types of things that I'm seeing now happen from them two years ago. Um, so that, so them to come down a little bit made sense to me. Um, the click did better than I was expecting just because I've heard a lot of conversations in the market with regards to the change to click sense, good conversations with regards to, Hey, they finally kind of got on track this year. Um, but I was, they did a little better than I expected versus the conversations that I was having and some migrations that were happening last year that I knew about. So I was surprised on them. The, the whole move together to say, well, self-service in this whole modern, mm, I actually, and it's funny, I can't see who I talked to, but it was another very, very uh, well-known thought leader in the industry. We were going back and forth on this saying, you know, I still believe there's very much a need for a the IT semantic layer for, for these solutions to be successful. This whole concept of ungoverned self-service BI, I as a as a consultant have cleaned these messes. And I think there's there's really truly a need for it. And and what I think is gonna happen, so a lot of times I've been very accurate with my forecasts in the past. What I think is gonna happen and what I'm starting to see in the numbers and surveys and whatnot that are coming in is that there's a renewed appreciation for the enterprise semantic layer. But I think, but I think I, I say ultimately, I think oh, I, I don't love that direction that 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 it went. I think there's still huge value, and when you're picking one of these vendors, you probably do want data quality, or you probably do want master data management, and you do want to make sure that you know you still have operational reports. Um, it, it was it was interesting. It was a very different um, direction than I was expecting, having answered it. Yeah, I mean, it was. Um, I mean, I've just got I've got the report in front of me now, actually. And um, I mean, so, certainly, the, as you said, for anybody who's not seen it, just to kind of summarise again, there there was. So the, the magic quadrant it splits it splits the uh, I suppose the kind of vendors into into um, for completeness of vision and for ability to execute. And um, and and in previous years, Oracle, for example, have been you know, in the in the kind of the, what's called the leaders quadrant. Um, and uh, at that point, I mean, certainly for myself, that you know, a BI project typically would have. No, sort of 10, 20, 30 people on there all getting paid a lot of money building a very kind of like well-engineered BI system that had kind of very well-defined data sources and, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and and that was, the, I suppose, to my mind, that was the kind of heyday of those big enterprise BI projects. Um, and what 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 um, yeah, what Gartner was saying was that all the spend now, it's important to spend, was happening in these self-service tools. And and you know what? It, it reflects the reality that if you look at what we were doing in the business, for example, you know, we would use Tableau. We'd use kind of like you know cloud-based BI tools to do the analysis we need. Um, but as you say, there, there's a there's a need out there for there's always a need for curation and so on. I guess it's we had a big internal debate back in the company I was with at the time about uh, yeah how do we how do we kind of talk to customers about this you know do we just deny it do we kind of say well actually it's rubbish or whatever and I think you know it probably was there's I mean analysts have to have something to talk about to, to you know there's no point having a no point having a uh, an analyst report that just says everything's fine nothing's changed but I think um there I think there I think there was some value in it really and I think that um but there's some interesting things came out of that report really that I just want to kind of run through with you just in terms okay. of I suppose what what Gartner you know, what Gartner define as being a kind of a, a modern BI platform and so on, really. And the self-service thing, self thing is interesting, isn't it? 
I mean, there's been almost a backlash at this, isn't there? I mean, what's your view on self-service? What's your view on people going out there, doing it themselves and, <laughs> and kind of, is it possible? Is it doable? Is it reality? You know, what, what's, your, what's your view on that? I, I, am, I have a, there, there's a survey coming up where the results are going to be revealed. There's been a decline in self-service. Uh, the number, when I say a decline, the growth. And I've said for a long time, that if you can't get somebody to read a simple parameterized report, I doubt they're going to build their own report, even if it's super simple to do. It's an interest level thing. It's, hey, I've got Excel. I'm married to, I'm married to an Excel analyst, and oh my gosh, I show him these tools, he likes them, he goes right back to Excel. Uh, that's just where he's comfortable. He doesn't have the time or the, you know, the genuine interest. So when people talk about oh, we're going to have everybody doing this. Well, you might have more people viewing it because it looks better. We'll have, we definitely have made much, a lot of progress in that 20% of power users and BI pros. It's fun to work with those tools. I love it. Uh, and I didn't love it before. I was like, I, I would think about, uh, you know, what, what I would have to go through to just get it to render and, and whatnot. Uh, was fairly painful 15 years ago. So um, I, I think that with self-service, certainly it's mainstream. If anything, what we're finding, and certainly the numbers too, even when you look at Tableau, Click One Public, our, uh, Tableau's numbers dropped considerably this year on the growth, and Click went private, so they can kind of revisit and restructure. Uh, I think what they're running into is this, hey, people that have already wanted this they saw it i mean i started seeing this in 2009 uh when click went with their seeing is believing uh campaign um i i think folks have pretty much bought the tool that they liked and they learned it if you're one of those power users and you know i i just don't see a ton more people piling on here yeah it's interesting i mean i actually was was uh, sitting in a, on, a, on a tableau um uh, robot presentation yesterday, which I'm obviously under NDA, I can't talk about it. But um, you, yeah, obviously, you know, that, that, that thing you, <laughs> the thing you say there really about you know, where do you go really from this is, is interesting because you know if you're if the definition of your of your of your panel, what you do is different is that you empower individuals to do things with their own set of data and so on. It then becomes you know much harder to scale that up and start to do start to kind of like make a uh, I suppose a single version of the truth and to take it to kind of enterprise scale and, and, and so on and. It's. Um, I mean, what do you think about vendors like, say, Oracle or Microsoft that that come from a more of an enterprise uh, sort of uh, sort of space, and then try and bring out these desktop tools and, and then try and make their Salesforce use these kind of land expand strategies and so on? Do you see that much traction <laughs> with that? Is it? I hear you laughing there. So um, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. Is that is that working? Are they going to are they going to take over from Tableau or, or, or what? Though you think? I, I think it's uh, yes. I, I I giggle because I'm very familiar with this. It's very different. I've worked at Tableau in the sales. I mean, it's completely, Tableau's completely dedicated to it. The, the support structures, the whole company thinks visually. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal organization for that specific area. When you start to stretch into a Microsoft ecosystem or another massive vendor's ecosystem, the sales forces will not make it, they will not survive selling a free desktop tool or 
$9.99 per month or whatever it is that you have. So it's an interesting time in the industry as well as a lot of these folks, I mean, when I was in the sales field at Microsoft selling SQL Server BI, really those engagements were minimum $200,000 license sales and higher. Um, it's really different and the approach is different. And what those types of sales reps now are doing is they may gloss over the Power BI or, or whatever the other free desktop ones are and really be talking about, well, the Azure Data Warehouse or the, the Data Lake. Um, you know, they're, they're selling the premium data stores that will keep them employed. That, that is essentially the driving factor on a lot of these. It's, um, it's a loss leader product. So they won't get, the desktop will not get nearly the amount of attention. What you're seeing is the community. Oh my gosh, the Microsoft community has been dying for good BI for as long as I remember. And I am, I am happy that I was a part of helping that turnaround uh, because I've been on the other side of on the Microsoft. Oh, Microsoft doesn't have BI. I mean, when I was when I was growing up, it was Cognos, right? Cognos was was or our business objects. So, so it's nice to see that they have they have a um, a decent front end now because the back ends have always been really quite good. Yeah, I mean, were you there when um, when, Pro when Pro Clarity was around, and and then there was a the whole business with yes. the, the uh, that was an interesting. It was. It, it, I remember at the time I was I was you, you, I used to, when we spoke on the phone before this call. You know, you talked about how it's actually Oracle eight i nine i used and so on. Yeah. I, I I remember the days. I remember the days when when we I was trying to go out there doing solutions and sell um, Oracle nine i OLAP, which was which was the only OLAP server that was was slower than everything that you ever put. Yeah, took the data from really, and it was relational and it was kind of whatever, and we had to deal with kind of an competition was analysis services or OLAP services then and that back end was fantastic but then Microsoft at the time and probably insulting you here is the front ends were just a kind of series of shooting themselves in the foot really you know buying pro yes. clarity and, and, oh. and then kind of what was all that yes. I mean I suppose it's now come together isn't it and now you've got or not you but yeah they, they, they've got uh, Power BI which seems to be fantastic I mean where, where were you involved in that what, what period are you, oh, you, know, so were you there around then a really fun, so I, this is a really uh, interesting story if you did not know this so I left Microsoft. I was on the product team for BI. So remember when I mentioned I answered the Gartner Quadrant in 2012. Uh, the direction at the time from the, the chief architect on the on the BI team was we'll put everything in Excel. We're going to learn to love Excel, this, this, and that. And I had a lot of market feedback and whatnot from, from customers and partners and even myself. A lot of times, I just know. I just know. I had a, I'm like, no, it's going to get rejected. Because people will define projects in Excel and then they want the real thing done. And it's going to be really hard to justify, well, hey, you're just giving it to me in Excel. Why do we hire this firm to do it? You know, even, even mentally, emotionally, on so many different levels. So I had this, uh, the good and bad of Excel deck. This really exists. And I gave, it, I gave a presentation to the executives at Microsoft on this. And uh, the architect says, well, you're going to learn to love Excel. Okay. And I literally put my resume out to... At the time, it was MicroStrategy and Tableau. Um, I knew, I literally cried when I saw the Kraken keynote. It's the most beautiful keynote I ever saw in my life. So I was hoping that they would pick me, meaning Tableau. Um, it was so beautiful. It was tree maps. There was all the top features that folks, you know, as a product manager was asking me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to I go there. Um, and I sent it was a recorded song video. 
<laughs> of how beautiful this was and I had to have it in my life and oh my gosh well they did choose me and I had a lot of uh, resistance from the sales field not the not the management at Microsoft but the sales field says you have to wait a year before you go anywhere so I stayed I, I stayed at Tableau for five months and finally the the non-compete pressure got so so strong um, I said all right I'll sit out I'll just do my own thing and that's how I started doing my own thing well, a couple years later, yeah, it's fun. I, I actually enjoy working with multiple vendors. Uh, I, I don't think I'll ever go back to one. I'll, I'll be surprised if I do. But I got a call, oh gosh, the summer of 2020, is it 14? Yeah, the summer of 2014 that a new, um, a new leader, James Phillips, had been brought in and they wanted an analyst briefing and on, on the situation. And the folks that called me were on the engineering team. I said, well, if you want me to come in and reinforce what you're doing, I, I can't do that. I, I don't like where you're going and what you're doing. And the market, I love what, you know, I, I love other solutions right now. It wouldn't be a very warm, fuzzy meeting. And they said, no, we need to have the honest truth. And we know that you'll be honest and you'll tell it like it is. And he needs to hear that. And I said, all right, well, then I'll come. And I sent him a little engagement. And I gave him a, a, I called a friends and family rate because those, those folks were always quite nice to me when, even when I, uh, when I left the first time. Um, so I went in and I gave a briefing to James Phillips, who is a, probably the most brilliant man I've ever met. I don't, it's a close, it's a close call between him and the fellow at uh, Frontline System Solvers. But, but that is how I got back engaged with that team. I gave them a lot of guidance on what I loved in the market, where I saw the market going, where I saw was key flaws in the product. And James got it. He, when I would say something, he would instantly understand. And that, that was actually how they, they recruited me back to help me go to market with some of those ideas. Yeah. I mean, so you, so you had quite a big, you had quite a big uh, influence then on Power BI. I mean, was that partly to do with you then, or what you're saying? Oh, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that. I, I cannot take credit for. I, there are certain things. Direct query. Uh, I definitely pushed that one. I said, you know what? We live in a big data world, and in the engine itself was was quite silly. There's no way I could recommend it to anyone. And um, it was interesting. I did get feedback post that meeting that the direct query was not something they had thought about, um, which was amazing to me. <laughs> But that, that was one of the things. So there's certainly things in there that I've talked about, you know, the, the canvas itself, making sure that it's it's artistic and that you can do anything you want. One of the things I love about Tableau is it's literally like Photoshop with data for me. Um, so there's certain things that I certainly was big on. I liked, I'd seen what Watson was doing, Watson Analytics, and being able to create some of the, the quick insights. So I certainly had ideas, um, but so did many, many other people. And... And even the, the customer feedback that was collected. So I will say one thing in the past when I went and said, oh, I want to, I have thousands of people that have asked me about tree maps and I would get shot down on that. Oh, too bad, so sad. How much more Excel will it sell? Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, this time, if I come to James and I literally, so here's a fun fact. I, I the, the R in Power BI was going to get shot down. And I said, take a look at my blog and look at the top blogs. They're all are. And that's interesting. 
that's interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll get. I mean, in a way, we'll, we'll get we'll get onto that in a second because R in in BI tools is, is is a kind of interesting area I want to talk to you about as as, as we go on. Um, so so take just taking a step. Taking a step, sort of like, um, yeah, away from that. I mean, so, so going back to the, the, I mean, going back to that, that kind of report. Um, that the whole kind of thing around bimodal and mode two and so on, analytics and 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 I suppose the fact that you know you've got um, you've got the the users out there going out there and doing self service and, and and curation themselves and so on, and you've got IT that 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 you know we all know does a good job, but sometimes you know we, we you know I count myself in this area. We do tend to kind of get slightly dogmatic on things. I mean, what's your view on? I mean, so we all know the IT is needed, but but business aren't interested, and and so on. I mean, how do you see the this this kind of? I mean, how do you see um, IT getting back into the game really when it comes to kind of BI? I mean, is it something that it, it, do you advise people on this? You know, vendors and so on. How, how does IT get back into the kind of conversation really around BI? Well, it's interesting. One of the things that I'm looking at is data warehouse automation. If I would have had this. 15 years ago, my life would have been so much easier. Our engagements, again, memory called it the heyday. I knew that if I got a project, I'd probably be busy for six months to a year. Um, it's very different now. The automation of data warehouses, I think, is a, a game changer for IT to, to develop an, a good, solid system, slowly changing dimensions that can accurately report over time very quickly. So why did the business bypass IT? Because they were too darn slow. Uh, so I think that if IT can partner with the business and find someone in the business and prove it in you know, some small wins, they can certainly do things right together and they should be doing things right together. And I, I keep hearing that in Europe, the laws with data security are so strong now, even lawyers are sitting inside of vendor selections, not just for the contract to review the tool because of the data security concerns, I have to imagine that the business has to be a little bit more responsible and at least consulting a little bit with IT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get on, I think we'll get on that area about, you know, I suppose, the area you're talking about there about, about IT needing to get involved because of kind of data governance and data locality and so on, that obviously goes into the whole kind of cloud question as well. And um, and, and also, I suppose, big data and, and so on. Let's get on to that in, in a bit, actually. I think that's quite an interesting area to kind of look at. But um, so, um, so in, in terms of the vendors, I mean, it was. I mean, for Oracle, I mean, I, I'm I'm not inside there. I don't know, but it was obviously there was. They didn't. Um, they didn't get put into the, into the into the kind of quadrant now and so on. And 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 what was the impact on the vendors at the time around this? Is it something where did it? I mean, I, I thought it had quite a big impact. But you know, you're pretty close to. The I, area, I do know. too. I do yeah. too. So I, I have. It's a really popular. I have a couple of different popular blogs. One of them's a. An old compare of Power BI and Microsoft and the version one, it's completely out of date at this point for the most part. Um, but that gets hit really heavily and so does my Gartner. Uh, I have different um, conversations or whatnot. When I, whenever the Gartner report comes out, I I give my two cents on what I, what I agree with and what I disagree with. Um, and folks seem to hit on that one pretty hard. But from a vendor perspective, yeah, I mean, this gets, gives a lot of credibility to to the three vendors that were in the leaders quadrant and you know folks it, it's going to lead every single sales effort you're going to see that quadrant being used in the cycle yeah i mean it was i mean i, I sometimes wonder whether it was a bit of a storm in a teacup really that you know within our industry it was, it was big news but i was certainly going to see customers and, and and so on it was um the number one topic of conversation though it's 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 kind of interesting and i think um 
I think you had to read it in a certain way, and I think that um, that I think the, to my mind the essence of it kind of rang true. That that it reflects the things that I was doing. It reflects the things that I was seeing there. Um, do you, I mean, I, I don't know how closely you follow Oracle, for example, but their strategy around around kind of the their BI tool set is to try and do both things. Is to try and have you know desktop tools that um, that that are the same kind of like you know built from the same code base as the enterprise tools, and, and maybe at some point in the future be able to kind of to to exchange metadata and curate it and so on do you think that is ever going to happen or is that a bit of a pipe dream i mean is it other th- other vendors doing that as well or will there always be two markets there'll be the enterprise bi and there'll be these self-service tools they'll always be different you know what's your view on that ah, i i actually think it's it's i i think that when the vendors do have that shared core it, they have a massive advantage. And that's certainly something that I would be looking at to say, hey, can I upgrade this? And one of the things that I did like about even the very first Power BI that that you know I, I ultimately left Microsoft over, but the, it was being able to take the model. And Donald Farmer, I think, was the, one of the original mm. folks involved in this design. But being able, Tim and Julie Strauss, to take that model inside of Excel and be able to upgrade that to the enterprise analysis services, that's a really strong story. When I look at things like Informatica Rev, and you can take that that little self-service data prep recipe and now bring that into Informatica's enterprise ETL, that's compelling to me. I mm. like that. Mm, mm. So let, let's get on a bit to, to there was three there were three specific kind of vendors and tools that that you talked about recently that particularly resonated with me really and um, and uh, as it was you that actually introduced them to me I thought it'd be interesting to kind of get your take on on, on why you thought they were interesting and um, so the first one was um, a tool or a company called or a, comp- or a tool called Beyond Core um, which uh, what what struck me with that was a demo that I saw that was from the Gartner BI um, summit I think where um, it was a bake-off, wasn't it, between different vendors. And um, the idea was to take, I think at the time, the university um, data. So it was how much, how much somebody earned at 10 years after leaving university. Um, and it was US data. And, um, and I think in the end, every other vendor was put the data in and it was coming up with various things. And the Beyond Core one um, came out at the start and said, well, actually, the biggest predictor of... Um, of someone's earnings in 10 years time is their parents earnings and it kind of flagged this early on but the way it did this the way it, it kind of went through the process was light years ahead of some of the kind of the, the predictive analytics integration I've seen in some of the tools from the larger vendors where it's just you can run an R script but that's it I mean for you for you Jen you know what, what was your view on Beyond Core and why did it interest you? Yeah so this is fascinating I, I, I think this is where the industry is going I really can say that wholeheartedly I've been watching them for a few years, and one of the things I really liked, it was a McKinsey. McKinsey, I'm not sure if they're worldwide, they probably are. They're Mm. very reputable consulting firm, and they had a couple different case studies where a lot of the automation of kind of the busy work in predictive was done for them, and their models were made so quickly and were very accurate. Um, So what Beyond Core does is it, once you take a data set, you load it in, and it will run through all these different iterations in the background and then find you know, what is the most predictive and identify different algorithms. But it also gives you diagnostic and prescriptive. So you can do what-if analysis on, and ask it questions. Well, what if I change this variable? What would my lift be? As well as prescriptive capabilities, which I very rarely see of 
you know, do this, do this, do this, and specific, very specific instructions. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is really fascinating. There's pieces that I like on this direction, and KXEN, SAP had bought them a few years mm -hmm. ago. I was also quite intrigued with that as well. Um, the aspect, and Watson Analytics, right? So I, I was, mm. that one has so much potential, they just haven't gotten the UX quite right yet. Um, mm. But the whole concept of this was interesting because having been in data science for a while, you need to accurately get data that reflects the, the business process. There's a whole art form to collecting and shaping the data before it even goes in to the tool to do all that rest of the stuff. And then I must comes, admit, I read, I read your article on that, actually. And uh, I spent quite a bit of time over the, over the summer taking my own data into a data science kind of project. And your article was very good. I mean, what, 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 yeah, what was the, you know, digressing you here, what was, what was the kind of the essence of that article? Why is it difficult? Ah, the art of predictive analytics. So when I, when I was working with Boncar, I did some freelancing for them. Essentially, the first thing I said we needed to teach people to do was to be successful with their product. Is It's, it's very misleading to tell them to just load their data and go. Um, and their sales reps were having problems because folks would get bad results. And I used, to, I used to get the same types of phone calls when I used to manage the analysis services. There was a predictive engine in there that it didn't work. No, it's not that it didn't work. You have to prepare the data uh, to be in the right shape to really describe that business process in a predictive manner for the algorithms that you are using. And that is an art in doing that. There, there's a, a book called Moneyball. It's an analytics classic mm. that talks about this art form. And even talking to the IBM Watson analytics, one, at one of the product managers this summer, and I said, you know what? What's going on with that was so so awesome, but I haven't really seen uptake. And they said, well, they haven't really mastered the data prep yet. And and just, was it two weeks ago? All the weeks blend. I know it was last week. Last week I was at the IBM Watson Analytics Conference and certainly they're showing different things and, and really amazing. Uh, I liked the Watson data platform that was a data science platform. But the one project, and no one in any of the sessions highlights this, you just have to, to walk in the expo hall and be able to recognize something amazing. It was Project Farcast. Right. And what Project Farcast is doing is trying to optimize the data prep process, making suggestions. If you combine these two variables, if you do this and if you do that, and I, the very, it's the very first time I've seen that anywhere. And I said, if they can master that, then this would certainly be much more compelling and less error, you know, error prone. I mean, it's still gonna be it's still going to be prone to, hey, did you collect the right data to begin with? Um, but at least the prep automation, which is most of the work, uh, would certainly have be much more improved. So there'd be better success in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's um, uh, so, so, you know, uh, Watson's had an interesting kind of press, really, isn't it? And in, in, uh, arguably, maybe it was oversold, arguably kind of expectations <laughs> are high. I mean, what, what's your what's your take on on IBM Watson and, and, and so on? Really, I mean, is is it a, a good product that's been oversold? Is it a kind of is it misunderstood? What, what's your view on that? Really, I think I think it's misunderstood because you know what what aspect of Watson? There are so many Watson areas. You, you have the you know, specific applications for healthcare, for weather, for crime, and for regulatory compliance, and then you have you know the more generic general analytics, IBM Watson with some automated predictive cooked in and some, some cool types of uh, data quality type features in there. 
but you also have Watson that are the, the cognitive APIs on Bluemix. So there's all these different flavors of Watson. What I will say is the experience level that that IBM has in cognitive computing, and that is certainly something that is coming together in the digital transformation, is compelling. And I know they've gone through. So, yeah, when I look at you know folks, there's usually an ebb and flow of when they're hot and when they're not. Um, IBM's been you know kind of beat down a little bit the past few years. I went to the conference in 2014, and it was depressing. Um, and and I just it was. And this year, I said, you know, I I, I went again. And it was definitely more upbeat, and they have decent messaging now. It's like it's kind of coming together. They figured it out. Uh, they're, get, they're getting their game on, and they had impressive case studies there. What I saw was quite good. Now it's just a matter of, I think, getting folks in there and, and making those decisions. Does it make sense for them? So I think one of the last topics we'll be talking about is, hey, how do you pick one of these vendors? Because a lot of them sure look the same. It's that that part's going to be really interesting to see is because they've got really good stuff. But, but will people pick them or will they just buy from somebody they already have their data with? Yeah, exactly. So, OK, let's, let's move on a bit. And um, the other thing that you talked about on your website, which really interested me, um, and I'm more, I, I suppose I have quite a big I suppose data integration, ETL background and so on, was um, uh, Paxata. So Paxata, um, uh, data preparation company. Um, I'd had some experience with that that kind of market, I suppose, with uh, Oracle's data prep tool, data prep cloud service. Um, but what you showed in that in in the review and, and what I've seen in demos since then was, was you know, to be honest, light years ahead of that. I mean, so, so uh, Jen, Jen, do you want to explain to you what Pexata is and, and and why it interested you and and yeah, and we'll talk about kind of why why you think it's going to be a significant thing in the market. Oh yes. So I this summer and I still I'm still reviewing different different you know self-service data prep tools. It's just a hot. So I, I've reviewed quite a few of them. Uh, so someone was asking me about Pixada and saying you can't get your hands on it. You can't get your hands on it. And I said, you know what? I will make a deal with them, and I'll write a blog because it takes a while to write those blogs that I do. Um, and so I made a deal with them. I said, you know what? I will showcase your solution on my site if you will let me play with it. I was not expecting at all, you know, so I was reviewing it. Informatica Red actually did very, very well in my review. Uh, it was very user-friendly, very simple. But a lot of these, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Here's the steps. You connect to data. Here's the recipe of steps. Um, you know, there's the same kinds of transforms. So I'm almost seeing data prep becoming commoditized. I'm like, eh, la, la, la. does it upgrade to, to enterprise? So I'm looking at how can I deploy it. Uh, but, but for the most part, I was just, like you had said earlier, I think just not very innovative. It's the same stuff over and over. Maybe some machine learning. I saw a little bit of machine learning in some of these tools, and some of these tools have uh, catalogs. The catalogs are really hot right now uh, with cataloging and annotation and crowdsourcing and auto-discovery of schemas. But what excited me about Pixada was a completely different approach to data prep, a visual approach, an approach where I could... Just as if I, I felt like I was having that Tableau experience, but with a data prep tool. It was fun. It was very visual and innovative. Also, I liked that you could add annotations. I could go back and forth. It just, the UX was exquisite. I, I fell in love with it. And I told the guys, the guys that, they knew me from Alteryx World and, and let me in. And I said, you know, I'm jealous. I'm actually jealous because I know this is going to be a massive hit. 
and anybody in there right now will probably you know get whatever whatever happens when you when you get bought up or whatnot because they're awesome it, it's really really neat yeah, yeah. I mean, so so going, I suppose going back to um, we talked earlier on about about self service in BI. Yeah, how, how do you? I, I noticed that some of the BI tools now are starting to add data preparation features into them. You know, do, do you think that? What, where do you see this market going? Really, do you think there being a, a you know? What, I mean, where do you see it going really in the future? Do you think the tools like Paxata will become you know less relevant because the features will be added into say Tableau and so on? Or, or, or what, what's your view on it really? So I think that's a great question and. I met with there. There's an annual thought leader, sort of a, it's almost like a summer camp that happens. In this past summer, the thought leaders that were in there had said, this this market's going to, to disappear, right? It's just going to get mm. gobbled up. Either they're going to get acquired or put into those tools. I, I still see that happening. I don't know if it's really imminent or not. I, I agree with that thought process. I also think, though, this whole concept of hi- hybrid data prep and data virtualization, there's there's still going to be a need for these types of tools, and you don't always have to visualize the data. So ah, it'll happen. I still think there'll be the ability to have some standalones, but but some of these, I think, and, and even with Pixada, I saw Microsoft Ventures now is in there. I don't know if they read my blog or not, <laughs> um, but I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll get bought. Uh, someone's gonna buy them. I, I would yes. I would guess somebody's gonna buy them. That's my gut. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, we, we talked. I mean, we, before we did this call, we we had a conversation, and um, and and one of the things we talked about as well was was I suppose in a way how how a DW project has changed now, and and a tool like Paxata, for example, you know, it's designed. Data preparation is about kind of I suppose a domain uh, expert, you know, someone who knows the data is getting involved in preparing the data. Maybe more, in my view, for a, a big data type situation where you've got lots of new data sources going in. But it, I suppose it contrasts with a data warehouse project, which are these almost like kind of you know, building, uh, you know, they're, they're multi-year, multi kind of whatever projects built with mines. But something you said to me on, on the conversation before um, was that um, you can see DW projects being built in days now, and, and some, yeah. and, and really, I think that kind of, you know, and, and I agree with that in a way. And but it doesn't seem to be known within the industry. I mean, what, just summarize what you're seeing here. So if you huh? you said to me before, somebody could now build a data warehouse in days rather than months. You know, it, it, tell, tell us about that. What's that about? Okay, so that's data warehouse automation. There's a whole class of tools. Mm. Uh, the first one I was made familiar with was with. A fellow in the Tableau world, Larry Keller, introduced me to Wearscape. Oh, it was years ago. And I played with it with a, with a SQL Server backend. And essentially what it does is it automates the building of you know facts and dimensions from a data source, creates your ETL for you. And a lot of that, I mean, if you've done Kimball-based data warehouses, you take the, 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 Kim, the Kimball toolbook books and you have maybe an ETL toolkit that you have some scripts in there and there's some you know a framework that you use. A lot of that is repetitive. Um, so these tools in the market, where Escape's one of them, Attunity is one of them, I believe. Time Extender is one. Um, there's Agilius, I, I believe, has one. They have a comparison, I believe, on their site uh, of, of various different data warehouse automation tools. But what you do is you point it to a source, you know, to data sources in general, whether you know, it might be a relational database, some files, etc., it will automatically extract into uh, a landing zone the the dimensions and the facts and what, when you, you kind of look at it and say, "You do I like these that were automatically generated? Do I want to customize any of these?" 
and when you're when you're ready to go on the schema, and then it can also one of, one of the tools that I'm reviewing, Attunity, that Compose will import if you have uh, say an Irwin diagram, and then take that as well as input, and it'll generate a dimensional data warehouse for you literally, you know, in minutes. It, it's kind of scary. <laughs> How, I mean, I suppose, I mean, we, we, you know, I've seen accelerators, I've seen kind of like macros and things where, and actually my, my view of Westscape Web was interesting in that, you know, I worked on a big project where it was, it was the kind of the, the silver bullet really for, for, the, for, the, for the project. It was, it was going to do this delivery of things very quickly. But it was in the end kind of, um, you know, got rid of because, uh, because it, it lacked kind of, I suppose the solution lacked depth or whatever. And I mean, how, how do you, I mean, how do you deal uh-huh. with the fact, oh. I suppose the complexity often comes in, isn't it, where you've got to do complex transformations and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how is that going to be kind of sped up? Yeah, that's interesting. So when I went, so I started reviewing, I just started reviewing the first set of these. I finished, for the most part, I'm finished with self-service data prep. I still have a couple people that are knocking on the door. Um, but for the most part, now I'm starting and I started with Attunity. And one thing I noticed that they have in theirs is customizing of the actual scripts, pre and post scripts and customizing the scripts themselves. Because yeah, when I looked at these data prep tools, even I'm trying to remember this was years ago in one of the, one of the briefings and they said, well, there's no script. You mean there's no script? It might've been Trifacta. Uh, what do you mean there's no script? There's always scenarios. Uh, one retailer in the U.S. I worked with, they had, you know, each time they bought another chain, you had, you had different types of product numbers and structure. Now, nothing straightforward. Nothing. It's just the real world's not straightforward. Um, so I thought that's going to be a deal breaker on that tool. So, yeah, I could see how you would say that. Um, I will look into that. So I have, I, I have to be transparent that I've only started looking most recently deeply into a tunity compose hopefully wearscape is is next i've been pinging them and telling them that mm. i'm going to be looking at these tools and i'll start to dig deeper um i believe agilius it's a j i l i u s they're based out of australia has breakdowns the strengths and weaknesses of these tools Okay. Okay. So, so let, let's go from. I've got this wonderful world now of, of innovative BI tools and and, and so on, and, and you know the, the almost pre-Cambrian world of, of of these things here, to a completely different world, which is the, which is um, big data and cloud and so on. And um, yeah. some, something that I I said on Twitter recently, and it's been conversations I think you've been involved in. I have as well. Is is um, you know, as these as the the as the kind of the, the big vendors you know move their big data solutions into the cloud. So you've got Oracle doing that now, and you've got obviously kind of Amazon there, and you've got Google and so on there, and everything becomes um, you know, almost elastic compute storage in you know, in the cloud and so on. You start to sort of think about well, how they're going to differentiate things, and and you, know, you must get you must get customers coming to you saying, well, you know, Jen, there's a there's a, a or, or vendors coming to you and saying, you know, um, how do we differentiate these? How do we as as every vendor starts to add you know elastic services to do Hadoop and so on, there they'll become similar. You know, what, what, first of all, what's your view, Jen, on this? You know, what's your view on the the big data market in the cloud and and, and the vendors out there and so on? Let's start with that first of all. Yeah, let's start with that. So the Gartner at the Gartner. What was that, a month ago? The keynote had talked about the digital transformation and the trends and what we're going to see happening and the whole concept. And I've been saying this for a while, data is gold and whoever has the most data, you know, essentially is going to win this war with intelligence and automation and and this, you know, automated customer experience and omni-channel experiences. 
what concerns me so there's some some good things and the, the good things are there'll be a lot more standardization if i it, when i learn hadoop and, and learned hdfs okay well now i can pretty much play on any of these vendor systems uh same thing with spark okay great i know spark and in sql context and spark r and and i can function on these different systems uh, maybe it's PySpark that i'm playing with um, because everybody supports that and it's not necessarily specific to the tools but what you're getting at is uh from a differentiation standpoint i'm struggling to see some of that it's it's really what i see right now as i look at when i looked at ibm blue mix it reminded me a lot of the azure offerings and, and very user-friendly and very software you know it was very very simple to say set up an um an event hub to adjust zillions of events for for an iot scenario for example it was just a point click and then say hey i want to dump it into this data source whether it's dash db maybe it's azure data warehouse that's so simple, it's so much the same. I think the things that I'm looking at or thinking about are, can I move the data away? You know, if I get upset, you know, I think, I think was it Microsoft in UK just increased their prices 22,000, no, 22%? Uh, yeah, but yeah, so one of the things is I'm always, well, I wanna be able to move my data. I think that's really important. If I wanna break up with a vendor, you know, sometimes you wanna break up. And it's going to be things that, you know, customer experience, they talk about customer experience, but um, not all these vendors are really great at, at, at customer experience. And it will be that I think when you have a commodity, it's those other things that you start to value a bit more. And, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, so I think there's some, I think there's some, some quite distinct differences there. I mean, it's, um, I, I think certainly um, if you look at, let's take some vendors here. So we take Amazon, um, Google, Oracle and so on there. So, so Amazon, for example, is, is the kind of big player, isn't it? Obviously in the cloud market and so on, and you've got Elastic Map Produce and, and, and so on there. Um, so certainly to my mind, um, the like you say, the customer experience, the, the maturity in that solution there and the, and the vendors um, and you know, the vendors in that space and, and, and so on is, is interesting. Um, I've also been looking at Google, Google, Google Cloud as well, and you've got BigQuery in there. But that's, you know, it's much more a developer tool, isn't it? It's much more command line and, and, and so on there. And yeah. I, I mean, what, what's your, okay, those two platforms there, you know, Amazon and, and, and Google, what's your experience in those things, really? So I'm having to ramp up on Google. I was working with, was it big, I'm looking, was working with, oh, I'm trying to think what the Amazon one was. Uh, Redshift, Redshift and BigQuery, Google BigQuery, when I was, uh, in the Tableau world, working for Tableau, we were working on those connectors and whatnot years ago. So I'm ramping back up on those now. Uh, I just ramped up on Redshift again, and I, I did have a little bit more trouble with, you know, just getting some of the tools in place and whatnot than I did before. Uh, Google BigQuery, what is interesting to me is I'm seeing very large accounts on the East Coast of the U.S. I don't know if it's just they have a really strong sales force here or again you know i i happen to know that the groups on the east coast of the u.s have been very big on compliance type sales approaches it's not very salesy if you're just running in and scanning servers and then saying hey here's your bill um but that certainly was a pattern uh for a few of the big vendors in the, uh, on the east coast so somebody like google comes in and you talk about customer experience and you know, if, if these other people are getting sued for their bills for how much, you know, database type they have, I'm not going to name vendors. There's two, there's two, there's at least two that I know do this. And it's, you know, that when you have a contentious relationship like that, 
Um, now you come in, now you have somebody else come in and you, they could have that because they were basically, you know, the only options anyone had. Well, now you have Google coming in and they have a really, really amazingly performant database. You know, maybe they're coming in with a different customer experience to some degree, but they're winning some really big accounts. There's also one thing that I'm following. I, I saw and I tweeted, oh my gosh, this had to be at least six months ago, the biggest database project in the world. And it was narrowed down to Amazon and Google. So I want to know who wins that. Um, I've been following GDELT for a while. I think it's an amazing Google project. Um, it, it's on the Google BigQuery in the back end. And we'll take all the news, you know, the unstructured text, and you can query it and play with it. Um, and I was very impressed with what that project could do. Um, yeah. So if they get their game together, they make it a little bit more user friendly. Because yeah, it's not. It's all a bunch of command. I just looked at it. It flows a bunch of command lines and blah. I, 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 yeah, I was going to. I was using uh, Google Dataflow this afternoon, and I was trying to bring some data in from the various sources I bring into my kind of home IoT, IoT projects. And I just thought, oh, this is interesting. This is this is this is more like Spark streaming, you know, writing the code yourself than. Um, yeah. That. And I, I think it's going to be interesting as, as so currently at the moment, you know, if you the state of the art, I suppose, really is Amazon is, is Azure, which I think is, you know, very, very interesting as well. I think what will be interesting as well is, is, is certainly what Google might end up doing, I think, with, with um, cause at the moment, obviously, they're building out Google, Pla Google Pla Cloud Platform, and it's, it is fairly kind of developer style, you know, and whether, whether they'll start to build out some of the tools or sort of, I suppose, partner like the Amazon Market Space, you know, to bring in other vendors like, you know, Attunity and so on. Um, but I think if you think about the access that Google's got to other data and just the kind of their their search their search kind of background and so on as well, I think that that's an angle I think Google can start to sort of differentiate on. And I think with Oracle as well, Oracle is interesting because it's it's obviously very late to the game in terms of the the you know it's got its new uh, version two IIS with uh, that's now Elastic and so on. But you think about what access they've got to just to deploy that stuff within applications. You know, there's a there was an announcement this week where. Uh, there's a team under Jack Berkowitz that is, um, is is adding kind of data lake stuff to all their cloud apps, for example, and also the deals they can do with things like uh, data as a service. I mean, do, do you think that they'll all do this or do you think in time each of these vendors will start to form its own kind of like, you know, niche and, and you'll go to kind of Oracle if it's a business kind of one or it'll be, if you, if you go to Google, if it's a kind of like a machine learning one, I mean, what, what do you think on that? Or is this all just kind of, what do you think on that? That's a great question. So when I looked at IBM's, you know, IBM as well. you know, yeah. it was blah, 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 the same things that I hear every every vendor. However, what was different was the industry models. And I said, oh, that's nice and that's different and that's deep and that's a value. Uh, so industry models, I think, are quite uh, interesting. Mm. You'll have the AI if they're an expert, I think, in some of these other things where you could you, you can tap into some of the AI. And we talked about Salesforce earlier, buying Beyond Core and making, you know, the Einstein and all that. Yeah. I see more of bringing that value. If you can bring an expert, you have the data. Again, now we're going back to what Gartner's was saying. Yeah. If you have the data, this is going to be who has uh, who who has the most data, winner take all. Mm. Who has that data to create the best artificial intelligence automated into the business process when the buyer's making a decision? Um, when they when they want when they want to have that uh, interaction. That is, but what concerns me too is then what are we talking about? I don't want to live in a world with five vendors. I, I, I love variety and having innovation and, and having options. 
So it's gonna it's gonna get interesting. So one of the things that I'm looking at too, I think Google has a some kind of is it not monopoly? I'm trying to think of what it's called, but certainly Microsoft is one, and it's just kind of being brushed aside right now, um, at least in our political infrastructure here. But I don't want to see a bunch of monopolies. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's it's. I suppose the thing about the big vendors is they've got a kind of like a, an amazing, consistent, consistent, amazingly consistent ability to to completely destroy out in, uh, any any kind of uh, acquisition they make, really, um, which I think is is interesting. And um, it will be interesting to see how Beyond Core get on. I think it's a nice way of wrapping this up, really, in a way. It'll be interesting to see how the likes of Beyond Core get on. I think Platform is it Platform Platform were built bought recently as well. Um, yeah, they there's were. A lot, a lot of they these were. vendors have been right bought. Yeah. 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 I mean, it'd be, it's interesting. I think certainly looking at what Beyond Core are doing with the with you know adding that decisioning and and, and kind of analytics into you know the CRM, CRM applications and so on is good. Um, but but in a way, the market's got its own way, isn't it? Of, of, of kind of innovating. I don't know. I mean, what what how, how do you feel about Beyond Core, for example, and those things going into the products there? Do you think it's going to be the doom of them, or or I don't know. What's your view on that? No, and I think one of the key one of the key factors there is is Mark Benioff had said they're going to keep it a standalone. They have the embedding into, you know, it's it's just transparent and seamless for that Salesforce user. But there's also that, you know, it, it, it's the standalone. You could put in pharma, you could put in manufacturing. You can let that be you know, non-specific, what do you call that, generic or general, or mm. it doesn't have to be mm. aligned to a line of business. Um, for them, I think that was that was really key because if they just got embedded into the CRM, I don't, you know, they would really be losing a lot of innovation for so many other use cases. Well, I think a good example of that is is in Oracle's world, there was a real-time decision. So have you heard of that? Where it was um, oh. Sigma Dynamics, I think it was. And it was a similar sort of thing. It was a very fast decisioning engine that was added into their CRM Siebel tool. And, and never, I mean, being probably a bit harsh here, but never really kind of innovated beyond that. And I don't know, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I think that there is, certainly the intentions are good, but it's, it's um, yeah, it's... Uh, Interesting. So, so Jen, I'm conscious of time now, and uh, I was one of the longest recordings I've done, actually. So it shows uh, shows kind of, I suppose, how interesting it is talking to you. Um, I mean, so Jen, it's been great to speak to you. Oh, you great web- oh it's, no, it's great. It's great. I mean, I, there's so many stories we could talk about, actually, which is great. Um, so, so Jen, what, what's just as a bit of a kind of like a, a heads up? What's coming up on the website soon? What are you What are you kind of writing on at the moment? What are you kind of working on, and so on? Just as a bit of a kind of a teaser there. Uh well, I'm going to be writing about the new our studio that came out there's been a couple different announcements in the industry it seems everybody's making their announcements right now in advance of the tableau conference so i'll probably have an industry wrap up on you know just some of the the news announcements i do plan to cover watson analytics i can tell that they're not as far as long as i would hope they would have been um they still have a lot of potential uh, but just seem to be still missing some key key features so i'm going to be talking about that in the future and then tableau conference i want to uh, hopefully they've got a lot of innovation to show me. I've seen the analyst uh, agenda. It certainly looks good. And there's one bullet that they are not even saying what they're going to show. So there may not be a surprise. And they put that at the end. So I am hoping for something really good. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, so Jen, well, that's absolutely brilliant speaking to you. Um, and uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, it's been fantastic. So uh, thank you very much. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you.